0: Hello everyone and welcome to another Well Played Podcast, a podcast all about playful learning. Together we explore games, game mechanics, and the power of learning through play. With me today, I'm super excited, we have Quinn Rollins making a reappearance, resurfacing after 20 some weeks of being off Well Played, but he's back. Uh, Twitter handle, at Jedi Kermit. If you have not followed this gentleman, do so immediately following this lovely well, no. It's just like this is like radio. You could you could totally follow them as you listen along. Do both, people. You you could do it during the podcast, and yeah. you should do both unless you're driving. Um. So, yeah. Que- be, be safe. <laughs> be safe. Be safe first, because we want you to keep listening. Uh, so. <laughs> also, the, we care about you. Yeah, like that's in there too. There's a whole lot of caring. Uh, so Quinn and I today are exploring play spaces. This is our maiden voyage into a comparison of maker spaces and play spaces. And, um, I'm we're not, we're not certain, but we'd, we'd like to believe that we coined that, that phrase play spaces, but just
1: now, just now,
0: right now, it's like born right now. Bing. It just got minted or we're just as smart as everybody else that have already used that's term but i don't remember hearing that term i feel like i i developed it independently with quinn yes patent pending uh so (laughs) (laughs) we're going to move on now uh quinn if you want to introduce yourself i feel like you'll do a much better job than i ever could
1: all right so uh i'm quinn rollins and uh I am a history teacher and curriculum specialist in Salt Lake City, Utah, and I've been teaching for about 15 years, and uh, last year, my book, Play Like a Pirate, Engage Students with Toys, Games, and Comics came out, and I've been presenting at national conferences and state conferences and uh, having a lot of fun with it. And fun is good if you're talking about using Lego and uh, Play-Doh and comic books and things like that. So it's, uh yeah,
0: life is good. <laughs> Hashtag life is good there. Uh, yeah. So as you guys already know, I am Michael Matera, uh, author of Explore Like a Pirate, same things, almost the same arc in terms of like, book came out last year, presenting uh, we are both passionate to sort of bring this message of a, a more playful learning environment to you guys. So, without further ado, let's make this uh, podcast together, and the three listeners—the right. three listeners that are still with us—hopefully uh, will enjoy this fabulous. Uh, we, we we love you, listeners. We love you. We love you. And uh, okay, so we're gonna start off with just a little bit like I guess a kind of comparison here of what a makerspace is and what a play space could be. Um, so what what does makerspace mean to Quinn rounds? So the way I have seen it in most of the schools
1: I've been in is a makerspace is, it's its own standalone space or room, and it's usually down in the career and technical arts part of the building, the shop and the home ec and those classes. And it's a room that is filled with great things like cardboard and duct tape and circuit boards and 3D printers and, and everything that you could use to build, to create something, something great. And I, I love that, I love the idea of them as a history teacher, my, my only issue with it is that I don't have access to that space necessarily. Um, I can collaborate with one of those other teachers and maybe get some time in that room. But really most of the time, if I'm doing a project like that, I, uh, I just bring some of those materials into my own classroom instead of trying to use the makerspace that isn't isn't necessarily intended for use by the history and the science and the English and math teachers.
0: Yeah, I would, I mean, it's a little different in my building. We have one that's not sort of cordoned off, you know, it's not like off to some far off wing. It is in the sort of center of the building. But uh, I think to echo a little bit of what you're saying, I feel like, a lot of makerspaces focus on tech stuff. Um, yes. So I mean, it's it's like how much? Which
1: which I love. I, I do.
0: No, no, I love too. but I, I was just trying to empathize yeah. as a history teacher. Um. You know, you go to these tech conferences, and they say that we want the tech to only enhance. We don't want it to be like about the tech. You know, you you should be choosing. You should be making pedagogical choices, not just tech choices. Right, and uh sometimes I want my kids just to just to build out like a pyramid or like a replica of something, and sure. I feel really fortunate our makerspace they have they have went out and purchased some low tech things that were just they're fun to bring your class into, but um you know a lot of makerspaces it it's how many things can we how many makey makey sets can we buy kind of thing. And those are really cool. I don't want to like put yeah. it down, but I think it's also equal it, the 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 space is about creation. Period. And I think we just I would like to recognize that there's all sorts of ways to to create. Yes. So, you know, having just as many like cardboard boxes and duct tape as you said at the start is is also important as well as making making... and azobots and whatnot
1: yeah no I, I love those and i mean i've, I've been in your building i, I remember going into the makerspace. i think i stole some scissors from it and i put them back that's but uh, your
0: definition of stealing and mine are very different
1: yeah stealing usually means like i kept it kept it yeah.
0: I, I i i procured and i returned there you go you did like a practice run on stealing i did yeah (laughs) next time i'm there watch out watch out people um but okay so mega space uh you you we've described that they have tons of tools some tech some low tech uh but it's it's to create it's to maybe think about a lesson in a different way because they're actually going to produce something you know um how what what things would you think would be in a play space who oh.
1: so a play space so if if i were designing it for me and the way i play and the way i do things with my students um there would be uh a lot of tables so a, a sort of free form arrangement where you can move stuff around uh, there would be a lot of Lego. Um, and that could include things like the uh, Lego robotics, um, things like that, but also just old school Lego uh, bins full of them, sorted by color and type that I would go in at the end of every school day and resort because I have <laughs> obsessive compulsive issues. Um, but but then, I mean, things like the the – kapla logs and like tinker toys lincoln logs um you know i mean like just simple things like markers and whiteboards and and lego walls and and things that 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 you don't necessarily have to have a particular skill in order to use it that you can be used in as many flexible ways as possible
0: That's cool. I mean, I like how you sort of describe it there at the end, you know, just truly like a constructivist sort of philosophy that they'll learn just by doing. Yeah. Um, That's really cool. And I think of a space like that, that would just facilitate that so well. Uh, Some of the things that I heard you sort of touch upon there is a flexible space, tables, um, and maybe just a good way to sum it up, but just... Feeling as if you have unlimited supplies to create or un- unlimited mediums to create, right? I mean, you from Lincoln logs to copper blocks to Legos, and I also like this idea that you talked about Lego pieces, you know, like to, to build whatever you want, obviously, but then that even extending onto the walls, you know, and I think that that's kind of yeah, a and neat eye opening thing for people.
1: Yeah. And, and a lot of, a lot of schools is becoming more common to see those Lego walls and they're in a lot of the maker spaces already, but I've even seen them in like the counseling center in schools and, you know, just a place where kids can express something by building, um, and sort of take the focus off of their, their problems or their other, their other issues. And, and I would also throw in things like the cardboard boxes and the duct tape and the butcher paper and the, you know, fabric cloth things that that can be used in multiple ways but i wouldn't use i wouldn't have a lot of consumables that had to be replaced you know sort of sort of evergreen materials that that you'd be able to keep in that space um for Lego. more than one semester
0: yeah and like legos yeah. have to be like the most <laughs> reusable item like they don't, they just don't break <laughs> I still have some from
1: the 1980s, and they are wonderful. I step on them with glee.
0: <laughs> now you're lying. <laughs> sort of. Sort of. <laughs> At least part of that statement. Yeah. Uh, I really like to to quote you there. Express by building. Um, express themselves through building. Uh, what a what a you know neat take on it. Um and so so far in the podcast we're talking about makerspace and, and we've touched upon a little bit about what a play space might be. Um but both of these so far have been described as some sort of far off, removed place. This this other. Mm-hmm. Um and I have to say oh man, I, <laughs> I dream of a world where these things aren't removed. They're not a. They're not a location. They're not the, the new computer lab. We're talking about. Uh, I really want this to be a, like a philosophy that's in our classes. And how how can we best on this podcast here in this conversation give some advice towards building a play space, in in their spaces. <sighs>
1: Yeah, and and when you're talking about so many moving parts, it's it's hard It's hard, it's not impossible to to have have that all on a cart that would be moved from room to room, you know, may make that into a maker space. I know a lot of like new schools are built with those collaborative spaces in mind. And so you could have a, a space that is the science lab on Tuesday, and it's the play space on Wednesday, um, and it's something else on Thursday. But um, but in, in existing buildings, sometimes it is, well, that classroom isn't being used anymore. Um, we, we can use that for X.
0: Yeah. Uh... But, but then
1: in, instead, of, instead of having that be the domain of the shop teacher, it, it's a room that any teacher can can check into and and use as, as their class
0: sees fit. Yeah. I, uh, the school I am at our old computer lab turned into the maker space again. Our facilitator of that maker space and the kind of Genesis behind it, our school, Tom was he a great guy. He really invested in some sort of mobile sort of maker spaces that could be bust it out of there and you can take some things to your classroom uh love it but again i still want to push the people here listening to not think of it as separate from your classroom um i really Mm want to push us to say that we can bring this maker movement into our classrooms on you know through ourselves not through a mobile maker thing that we can take back to our classroom that is great and use it if you have that but if you don't don't just say like oh i wish i wish we had a makerspace i wish we had mobile makerspace i wish i could get to that career and technical side of the class you know the school building and use those things this is a powerful like mindset that we need to bring both to our students but almost at first we got to bring it to ourselves we have to think differently about our classrooms and we have to say this can be a play space. This can be, and and these are there are tools we can bring in. We could have students bring in stuff, uh, but by and large, I think the difference between a maker space and a play space, if I was to sum it up, would be it, it is our own perception of that space. A play a play space literally doesn't need a single tool if you don't want to. A play space is all about mindset. Well, yeah, and I, I think that,
1: you know, I mean, if you were pitching this to your administrator, they might be viewing it as, oh, well, it's a place for free time. You know, it's a place where you you just yeah. go and goof off and they have a free period, that's what you do. And and I think it has to be more focused than that. The the idea of tying it to your history curriculum or your language arts curriculum, your science curriculum, is that there are other ways to assess things um, than a five-paragraph essay or a, a traditional test or assessment of some kind. And and you and I have talked about this before, just the idea of playful assessment. And you can have fun while still learning. And you're, you're constructing meaning, you're constructing new ways of, of looking at things. And I, I think that that gets to a much deeper level of critical thinking than what a lot of what a lot of people assume would be happening in something termed uh,
0: place space. Yeah, no, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, it it can be different, yet different doesn't mean worse. Then different doesn't necessarily mean better. It can still be getting at the same thing. Uh, But for our students, I would argue different is better than better. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, because um, ultimately that's an exercise in and of itself. Uh, I'm going to fall back on my own knowledge of just games in general. Um, Part of the love I have of games is sort of figuring out the strategy of that new game, that different thing, right? If all games use the same mechanic, the same sort of algorithm... And like, that wouldn't be fun. So I fully would say to everybody, I don't want every classroom to be gamified because then, then that would be the mechanic everyone would understand and know, right? Like, right. Uh, different is good. So with that said, right now we, I think, lean way strong to like traditional forms of assessment. And we're not like really – like what is the difference between taking a test in a history class and taking a test in a science class? There's like nothing except the content. The actual mechanic right. is the same. The like studying is the same. It's all the same.
1: Well, and so I have I have two sons and they are now in eighth and tenth grade. And I, I just sort of pity – the school day that they go through is sort of punctuated by good things, by funny things, but really they're kind of clinging to their friends all the way through, not to particular teachers or particular content. And it's a lot of it is because of the way it's presented. And when I talk to some high school teachers, they, they say, Well, by teaching this way, I'm preparing them for college. And you're not you're 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 actively turning kids away from education because they're not seeing where it can be engaging and it can be interesting and they can learn something about themselves and about their peers they're they're just sitting there listening to you man and it's it's hard yeah going through that for seven hours every day is is kind of miserable so i think if If even, you know, two of their teachers throughout the school day would do some of these things, it it would be enough to to spark their interest, maybe keep
0: them going for another school day. I hear you. I mean, basically, summing up what you just said there is bringing kind of a playful spirit might be the best thing we can do um, for those students. And, you know, it... I don't want to, maybe I should just call it out, right? Is, I mean, that's kind of a cop-out to say, like, well, I'm preparing for that next level. I'm a sixth-grade teacher. i got to prepare them for upper uh, middle school there so that they can be ready for high school and so on and so forth. But producing a thriving, rich uh, environment where they learn through through challenges, through play, through collaboration, through constructing meaning, that would also be preparing them for the next steps and probably well beyond, you know, but, yeah, I mean, I, yeah,
1: I, I was that I was in a meeting for like seven hours today that, uh, so today was, a. Good was day. all about how to, it, it was a great day. It was great. Uh, but but it was all about how to how to help teachers learn better and and just the the idea that teachers as learners are any different than our our kids as learners is is facetious because I sat there for seven hours bored today and I know that my heart my mind wasn't wasn't in that sure and if if we had done just one thing a little bit differently it, it would have made for a better day for those adults and if adults who are supposed to be um, you know we're we're respectable and, and stuff um, if if we struggle with that then having your class of 20 30 kids that's that's asking a lot for
0: those little people No, I mean you make a really good point about uh, like think about when you see a staff meeting or whatever, or professional development, and all the teachers sort of take those back seats or they, they distance themselves from it. Yet in their classrooms, they expect and command that, that the, this full engagement. Um, and then the other thing, geez, like if we could learn from some of the top businesses the top businesses usually bring mm-hmm. in a little more playful spirit, right? They have a, a ping pong table somewhere. They have a, a walking meeting instead of just like sit around a table meeting. Even that, like how hard is that just to have a walking meeting? That's not, you don't need any special tools. You don't need to buy a ping pong table. <laughs> like you just need to get up and walk. Um, so, I mean, you make a really good point about the difference. There is no real difference between the adult learner and the, the child.
1: Yeah. And I mean, we will get just as distracted and off task and onto Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and, and everything else. Probably not Snapchat. That's for kids. I'm, I'm too old for that,
0: but, but you know, <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Yeah. So Okay, so Quinn, we got this mindset. We got some of the things in a makerspace versus some of the things in a play space. Do you think it's possible for our listeners here to take some of the things they might already have in their own house and bring it into school on Wednesday and run a playful space in their own classroom? I think that is a great place to start.
1: Um, I think that I know for me when I started using Lego in the classroom, I just brought some stuff I had at home and started there. Um, And I know every time I, I present something, I have teachers who ask well, what about classroom management? If you bring in legos if you bring in action figures um you know so and so is going to act up and it's like well no they're not because they'll actually be doing something and they'll be doing something hands-on and they'll be engaged and they'll be having fun so they uh probably won't act up (laughs) so so I, i think i think that the risk level of bringing some some toys some some Capla blocks, some Legos, some um, Tinker toys. Bringing something like that in, um, it's it's a great place to start. You know, sharing that box with the teacher in the classroom next door to you.
0: Yeah, I think uh, if I was to answer that question, I would say absolutely. Bring some stuff in, and it doesn't even matter how small. I mean, it it could be just some extra wrapping paper you have, some tape uh do a do a build challenge with it you know like have kids try to construct something out of that based on what you're working on you're an english teacher have them have to communicate through a design to another group you know with these random bits and random materials so uh it doesn't it doesn't have to be that big it's it's again about this mindset and this playful spirit and so with those like random bits they could take You could take it, you could give it to them, and there's a concept called a game jam, where you have students or people try to create a game out of random elements, and it can be small elements. I mean, it literally can be like three things on a table, and be like, make a game out of this. Uh, And I just think that kind of thinking, that kind of shift is, is big and huge, and can really challenge students. And... Again, be playful with your content and be playful with your own sort of assessments and expectations of yourself Um, Free yourself up, you know, think about what you're trying to accomplish whether that's a communication Learning target or you know a content learning target specifically I guarantee you there are playful ways to hit those targets
1: Well said I uh yeah, I, I think sometimes we, we just can't see outside of our own boxes that we've made for ourselves. And sometimes it's just that's the only we only way we've ever seen it done. Sometimes it's that's how I was taught thirty years ago and I ended up okay, so these kids should have to sit through it too. But there are other ways to do it. <laughs>
0: Uh, I mean, I hear you just want to shout it from the mountaintops. Uh, I, I'm I'm in Utah. We have mountaintops, so you do. I can do that. I I have sea level.
1: Yes, which which is good shouting too. I mean,
0: travels farther. I think
1: something science. I don't
0: know. I don't know. <laughs> um, all right. So on that note. Uh, all right. So Quinn, this this makes it uh, reflection time. So we got a quote today by Ralph Waldo Emerson.
1: I've heard of him. Yeah. Uh,
0: so he says it is a happy talent to know how to play. How does that strike you? <clears throat> well,
1: I, uh, can I just say I agree? No, no, no I, I can say more than that. uh, I, I think that that there is a talent that comes with play. I think that we usually think about it in the context of of athletes or with, uh, you know grand chess playing people. But I think that some of that talent just comes with the ability to let go, to relax, to let your students enjoy the game. Allow a little bit of chaos that comes with letting kids do do something that is following their own idea of what play is. And if you have to pick up some pieces, if you have to redirect them, that's okay. But um, that task. So if you're if you're afraid to try something. You, you don't need to be, you know, it might not work the first time. That's okay. Nothing does. But, um, if you're willing to let go, that's when you start developing that talent. That's when your kids start developing that talent to, to play
0: with your, with your curriculum, with
1: your content.
0: That's solid. Uh, for me, if I was chit-chatting with Ralph Waldo Emerson, um, I, I know, I know. So it would be a one-sided conversation. Some of my favorites. Um, <laughs> oh, okay. All right. That's cool. And it, I know what he's saying. I get the spirit of what he's saying. It's happy talents to know how to play. So like, it's good. Right. It's good to play. It's good to be playful. It's, it's good to have that knack for play. Uh, but I will say, in my experience, it's like we always say. You know, it is. It isn't a talent. Like, it is... Okay. I, I would prefer... I would prefer the word skill, right? And okay. And I, I feel like talent, there is this implied, like, luck factor. Like, you were you were born to do this. I am you're, not... You're, you're gifted somehow. Yes, like... Yeah, okay. Even if I work really hard, I couldn't be what you are kind of thing. And mm. I think with play, it's that we... We actually were all born being able to do this like equally. And it's actually over time that we have lost sight of that or we grew up or, you know, kind of the old Toys R Us, which I know is a thing of the past. I don't even know if you guys remember it anymore. It went bankrupt. <laughs> but uh, you know, like I don't wanna grow up. I just wanna be a Toys R Us kid, right? Like yeah. Um We we all had this equally, and sadly many of us lost it uh, some never lost it which is really cool I will openly admit I lost it and I brought it mm-hmm. back and so that's where I guess I want to see that and say it is a happy skill to know how to play and I would encourage us to brush up on that skill
1: i I approve
0: of your editing choice <laughs> well I mean mr. Emerson if you mr. Waldo Emerson if you don't if you don't appreciate it speak up <laughs> oh. crickets Crickets. I guess he likes it I guess yeah. he likes it <laughs> um, Quinn I just gotta say again thanks for joining us today I'm well played thank you for having me uh, it is it is really a, a pleasure chit-chatting with you I always enjoy it and I, I hope you guys out there listening you know think about a playful space uh, think about bringing it t- to your world both professionally and personally, you know, as Emerson so eloquently put, it is a happy skill to know how to play. <laughs> you heard changing history. <laughs> Oops. My bad. Misquote. Right. Misquote. Misquote. It's all right. <laughs> uh, everybody, don't forget to check out explorelikeapirate.com for all sorts of more ideas on this topic. Quinn, do you want to give a shout out to your your site?
1: Yeah, so I have a site, QuinnRollins.com, that has sort of ongoing uh, posts about play and toys and graphic novel reviews and all sorts of fun stuff. So uh, check out QuinnRollins.com. You can follow me on Twitter, at Jedi Kermit, like the Star Wars and the Muppet, because I'm that kind of nerd. So Quinn is somebody that I don't think ever lost the playful spirit. I, I had a dark age, but it lasted about four weeks, and then I, I moved on. <laughs> nice.
0: You, you tried the adulting thing for a little bit. <laughs> and it wasn't for me. That's right. Uh, yeah. So everybody, thanks for listening. It is an honor having you listen, learn, and play with us each week. Uh, like I said, check out Explore Like a Pirate for more. And also... Just uh, trying to build up some subscribers to my new YouTube channel. Had to restart, so if you think you're subscribing, you're probably not. So check out uh, explorelikeapirate.com and there's links to my new YouTube channel. Would love to have you smash that subscribe button. Everybody, enjoy your week and play on.